Shalom, and welcome to A Voice Calling in the Wilderness, a trumpet call, a voice crying out loud for God to those that would hear, so that they would run to Him, that they might be warned. We're here sounding the alarm that our time here on earth is short, and that we have no time to waste. Here we will expose the truth, teach the word, discuss the dangers, lies, and enemies we are surrounded by, and how to engage in the war we are standing in the middle of. Today we're joined by Pastor Steve Morris and Oleg Sulema, and we're going to talk about prayer. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So I get a lot of questions about prayer. It seems that there's a lot of confusing ideas surrounding this topic. So I'd like to start with the basics, gentlemen. What is prayer? Well, one person said it's spiritual intercourse with God. Now, that's we're just jumping straight in. But I tell you what, it is co-union. Mm-hmm. It is such a beautiful thing because we're not just praying to God, asking him for what we want. It's trying to get the very mind of God and that God is interceding for us in our behalf. And he wants us to enter into this eternal dance with God that we understand his heart like John with his, his head on Jesus's chest, that we would get the heart of God and that we could pray the very, very passions and heart of God back to him and be able to participate in the very things that he desires. It is an incredible, but the most incredible privilege that God bought with his blood. Amen. Like to add anything, Alec? The only thing I can add to that, which was well, well spoken, um, that we also, with a prayer, it is one of our biggest weapons that we have against our enemy as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Jesus said that we're going to have trials and tribulations, and uh, the only weapon that we have against the enemy um, is the prayer, is the most important weapon that we have. You know, and Oleg, on that note, you know, it's wild that Jesus comes to Peter and he says, Peter, Satan yes. desires to sift you. Like, right. we've ne- none of us have probably ever hardly come on the radar of Satan, okay? But Satan specifically has zeroed in on Peter and he mm. says, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. But what is the answer he gives him? He says, you don't need to worry. Why? Because I have prayed mm-hmm. for you. Right. And to understand that God is praying for us and he's calling us to be faithful in prayer for others, it's, it's, it's a... It's a privilege and one of the highest callings, if not the highest calling we probably have. Yeah, that's, I think that's a really good demonstration of the power of prayer when Jesus himself is praying for you. Right. Mm. I mean, he knows the power of that. And for him to decide that he's going to pray for somebody, wow, that's, that's powerful. I mean, that speaks a lot to what prayer is. Yeah. You look at Christ, how busy he is, Right healing, doing all these things, and he takes early in the morning. They're yeah. looking for him, can't find him. He's out praying, beats the sun up, right? It just says nonchalantly through reading through the Gospels, just, Jesus spent the night in prayer. You're like, right. what? <laughs> mm-hmm. But he valued that time with his Father in unbelievable measures. You're right, and if you look throughout the New Testament, it talks to Jesus praying all the time. I mean, one of the things I think that we see in these stories is how much time he did go out and just get away, get quiet with God, and pray to his Father, intensely so, passionately so. Right. And I also want to add to that that, uh, you know, as he went out, uh, I believe he was refilling himself because, as we know, throughout his ministry, it, it, it was draining for him mm-hmm. as well because he was a man. And in uh, those nights that he spent on Mount Olives with, with his father, it was that time of refilling 
and uh, just uh, rebooting, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, for next following day. Absolutely. So that brings us to another question that I get asked a lot. What is the purpose of prayer? And I think that's really a very generalized question because there are different things we pray for. Mm -hmm. And there are different purposes for different things when you pray. But for me, in general, what I have learned is that it's really about communication. It's like with any relationship we have with a spouse or our children or anybody else, friends, family, communication is how we build a relationship. It's how we strengthen it. It's how we shore it up when it has a weakness or it has a leak. But really, it's about communication and just being in unison with the other person. And so for me, generally, for prayer, the purpose is for me to express myself to God and for me to listen to Him. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you listen, you will understand what God's wanting you to do. And it's such an, like Oleg was saying, it's such an incredible weapon as well mm -hmm. that, you know, if it wasn't so effective and Satan didn't fear it so much, he wouldn't fight so hard. Yes. It is the one thing that almost you can talk to almost every Christian and see, would you want to replicate your prayer life? in the lives of others? Would you want to export this? That's a good question, mm -hmm. right? Do I want, can I say with Paul, follow me as I follow Christ, L watch my prayer life with, with the Lord. And would there be a holy awe about it so that when people walk in, right, I can just imagine the disciples coming up to Jesus and busting and like, oh, and hearing him talking to his, I mean, I got the chills right now, you know, <laughs> hearing him talking to his father mm -hmm. and understanding the authority and the power that is coming into just the affirmation and everything, just the intimacy between Jesus and his father. And to be able to, to be able to enter into that, I think of him like Moses going into the tent of meetings and be able to take Joshua, you know, or up on the mountain and be able to take Joshua and just be able to see that intimacy Christ has and be able to participate in that and then call others up to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's an amazing thing to think about how Jesus, the one that we look to for our strength and our support and our shield, right? For him to be on his knees, especially in the garden, on his knees, mm -hmm. and yeah. just weeping and praying and just pouring out his whole being in prayer. And for us to look at that and not do likewise is kind of an amazing thing to overlook, in my opinion. It's interesting, now that you mentioned Garden of Gethsemane. You know, when Jesus came back to his disciples, he says, could, could you not watch with me for at least one hour? Mm -hmm. So it means that he was, it's been hours mm -hmm. in prayer. And you're absolutely right. How much more do we need since he needed that? Yeah. You know? And that leads to another question that I get asked, and that is, why do people find it so hard to pray? Well, I think for one, that um, it's this eternal battle between the natural and spiritual. We were created as spiritual beings, and we connect with our Father, with, our, with God, on a spiritual level. And here we have this flesh that Paul says that, in Romans that I do things that I don't want to do and I do not do things that I should do. And this is our flesh that it's beating right against it. Uh, so that's that the battle, internal battle between the spiritual and natural. And uh, besides that, you do have, as uh, Pastor Steve alluded to, uh, you do have the enemy, uh, our eternal enemy, that wants to draw us away from that prayer because he knows the more we spend 
time with, with our father, the more our relationship is deepened and the more we draw from him, the more stronger we get and the more damage we can do to his kingdom here. Yeah. And I think it's looked at as a lot of people as a drudgery or a duty and not a delight. But the more, the more that, and, and we just need training, to be honest with you, because I know, and I struggled so long in just a prayer life, you know, and I, I would get up, try to get up early and I would fall asleep. And so the flesh is warring. You got Satan fighting you. You got all kinds of your mind wandering. You got all this stuff. You're trying to talk to this being that you can't see with your eyes. It's, it's challenging in the beginning. But there's been many techniques that I would just call them just that have helped me. One, just, okay, I started walking in the mornings so I wouldn't fall asleep, right? Mm -hmm. and, and like to pray in the darkness because it helps my mind. It, it, my, you know, once the sun comes up, I feel like my mind's going racing throughout the day. And so I've, un, I've been able to beat that, you know, have victory by, you know, trying to beat the sun up and then walking so I don't fall asleep, right? And then getting with other people, you being one of them, JD and Sean and different ones to encourage each other knowing. And, and so there's different keys to victory and it is a delight. It's still challenging, mm. but it is a delight and understand that when the paradigm of prayer changes and you see it as you're literally that I can be here in, in every one thing that Sean does every morning, usually with tears is praise for a different country. And he reads about the persecution of that church in that country you know, and mm -hmm. I, I love to hear that. It's such a special time in our prayer mm -hmm. meeting that we're affecting and we're seeing, we're reading different things that we're saying. God is answering our prayers and it's powerful. You know, I, I heard a little story where someone was saying, you know, I can't, I can't sing. I can't preach. All I can do is pray. And someone said, that's, <laughs> that's like, a lot. that's like someone saying, you know, I don't have a, a BB gun. I don't have a hand grenade. All I have is an intercontinental ballistic <laughs> missile. You know, if we see prayer for what it really is and communication with God and, and, and a chance to interact with the, the one that has all power and that we can pray truly in the authority and in the name of Jesus with the purposes that he is desiring to do on this earth and can affect the entire world. And it's that is, it becomes a delight. Oh, absolutely. And the, one of the things that I've talked to people about before is that you need to understand that God created us to have a relationship with him. Right. And the moment that you decide to engage in that and you start speaking to him, there's an amazing amount of power that's unleashed in that moment. I mean, the joy of God at that moment is probably immeasurable from our standpoint. Because we have chosen voluntarily to be in communion with him at that moment to talk to him, to be in that relationship at that moment, we chose him over everything else. And that's an amazing thing for that design purpose in all of us. Mm -hmm. And it unleashes an unbridled amount of power, I think. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. So I have some questions from, I'm going to kind of lump a couple of them here together because I get so many. This is from a guy named Albert, and he's asked, do I need to kneel, bow my head, and close my eyes, et cetera, and stuff when I pray. And I think this one kind of can go with this. So I'll give you guys a chance to answer them both. And this is from uh, Joanne. And she says, is it better to pray out loud or silently? Mm. So I kind of think those all kind of can go together yeah. as a question. Sure. Yeah. Well, let me just, I'll just talk for, oh, hopefully I won't ramble. <laughs> but um, I have noticed in my prayer different times, like I've I had struggles surrendering in things. And it's when I have, when I have got on my knees 
or when I have God on my face, it has helped. I feel like it's a means of grace. Do I have to? No. But I feel like there are times that it has really, I mean, I could point to multiple times where God's brought me to a point in my life where I'm going to surrender or not. And he would just say, Steve, just humble yourself bodily, actually do it, right? And uh, so that has, there's been a few times in my life that I felt called that he did ask me to, to humble myself physically. And it, and it instantly resulted in the, the, mean, the grace to surrender my will in that time. So it, I look at it as a huge means of grace. And I, I, you know, I go back to the dog whisperer when the dog, when there's a dog that's so fearful, his tail's tucked down, his ears are down and his head's, you know, low and all this kind of stuff. One of the things that he did would he would pull the tail of, of the dog up and the, the, that hit the dog's head up, right? And the dog would start feeling differently. And so I believe that we are, we are one being, but we are a spiritual being with the body. And when I say, God, I'm desiring to humble myself and I do it with my body. It has helped me, I believe, in my spirit to, to do that. Um, at times, so I agree with it hundred uh, percent. I believe when uh, or in my prayer life that uh, when I can and I'm able to, I will always try to kneel down and just uh, bow down before him because he is first and foremost my Lord and mm-hmm. my King, and then he is my Savior and my Father. Uh, I remember my um, <clears throat> late father; he was in his eighty. He was in his eighties. And uh, when we would meet up and, and pray together, he would always ask me to help him down so he can kneel down, mm. even though he was physically extremely weak, but he would always kneel down before the Father. So I do recognize that. Uh, also, we see that scripturally, we see that in Isaiah, that uh, when, when he saw God's, uh, God filled the temple, he fell down on his face. We also see that John, when he was on Patmos, when he saw Revelation, when he saw God, he fell down on his face. So it is that reverence and that awe that we need to remember first and foremost, because he is the creator. He is our king of kings. And uh, when we think about that, uh, when there is a kingship, anyone who comes to the king in his presence, whether it is the son, the daughter, or anyone else, they first bow before him. Uh, so that's the first and foremost. However, with that being said, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't look at it as a religious act, and I wouldn't stick to that because mm-hmm. we have the different circumstances. As we know that uh, even um, on the cross, uh, when, when one of the robbers was uh, really surrendering his life to Jesus, he was on the cross. That's the only means he could pray. Really, that's what he did. He was praying to him. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's the only way that he could. So if someone is uh, you know, uh, ill, he cannot get out of bed, pray where are you at the way you at. Mm-hmm. There is no, no ifs and buts and, and how it is. It's all about the heart. Um, God always looks at our heart, our sincerity towards him. So it doesn't really matter. As far as opening eyes and closing eyes, there's different debates about that. Um, you know, in, in many aspects, closing your eyes is just uh, you focus, you, you kind of zoom in on what are you doing at that moment so, so distractions don't come. However, with that being said, there are some times of ministries, as uh, we've done some deliverances and whatnot, that you have to look at the person whom you're praying for because their eyes, their portals, their portals mm-hmm. to the soul. So sometimes you have to watch that. And when, when you take in command and authority, you have to go with that command and authority. And then at that moment, 
you are becoming as a glove for, for Christ himself. So you are the tool in, in his hands. So it's, it depends on circumstances, I would say. Uh, but if you are, you know, to summarize it, if you are in your one-on-one -on -one in your closet, I definitely prefer to give the reverence to him. Yeah, I would agree. I think a lot of it is uh, goes back to the relationship. Right. In every relationship, there are positions in a relationship. Yeah. And it is good for us to recognize God's position in our relationship. And like you said, that being said, every situation is a little bit different. Very much so. I pray all the time in the car driving. And right. so you're not mm -hmm. going to close your eyes. You're not going to stop and <laughs> kneel down. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I want to talk to God continuously as much as I can, because that's what we're told is the right thing to do and what we should strive for. Yeah. You know, and a car is a good example. You know, there's a lot of people that get stressed out and say or do things in the car because of other drivers that they shouldn't do. And, and I would rather honestly go, God, give me the strength to get past this moment because this person is really eating on my nerves or, you know, there's nothing wrong with just stopping and going, God, I need you right now. Right. I've been in the grocery store and had it happen, especially in this time we're living now. You know, you go in a store and you're not wearing a mask and somebody comes up and starts getting in your face and you're like, oh, God, please help me because <laughs> I'm not going to get to this without Give you. Give me grace. Give me grace in this moment. <laughs> but I think that there's a lot of situations that are like that, that sure. we as parents, we all, we're all three parents. All of us have been in the moment going, oh, God, you're going to have to help me right now because this child is pushing that button, Right. <laughs> and, and you're like, oh, man. And you don't, you're not going to go, I'm, wait, give me a second. I got to go run to the prayer closet. And no, you're going to be like, okay, God, help me right here, right now, please. So I think that there's some misnomers that people have had where, okay, oh, you, in order for you to have a prayer that is going to be effectual, that God's going to hear and answer, you got to stop, bow your head, do a certain. There's a lot of that religiosity, I'll call it, probably not even really a word. But it's what people have added to the idea of communicating with God. A prayer is just, hey, me saying, God, thank you, I love you, amen, right? I mean, it's just talking to our Creator. Yeah. I will tell you this, J.D., <clears throat> excuse me. Um, one thing I have noticed is praying out loud at times. Mm. Um, really, God has used that as a means of grace to say, Steve, you're not even being honest with me here. And when I hear the words coming back, to, mm -hmm. as I'm, I'm listening to myself, I'm saying, and then I've had to turn that prayer into a prayer, <laughs> you know, God, make it, make it real in my life. This is what I'm asking you to give me this heart so that I can pray what I am praying with an honest heart. And I've only at many times, I mean, a host of times he has revealed that to me as I've just prayed out loud. And I, obviously, it's it's it, what we're talking about. There's every circumstance. We're supposed to be constantly right. in communication with him. So, but having those times, I would encourage people to get on their face somewhere, get on their knees mm. at least once a day. Daniel did it three times a day. You look at his life for almost 70 years, we see, or over 70 years, and, and we see no basic flaws in him. And he's the only biblical character that I know of that we don't see significant flaws when we see a lot of his life. Mm -hmm. And he had this practice of three times a day getting down and worshiping the Lord and communicating with him, you know? So it's powerful. And I think, I think doing it um, out loud at times is extremely helpful as well. I also wanted to add to that uh, as well, uh, praying out loud. Um, another aspect, um, you know, 
the scripture says that uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing word, word, of, word of God. So that also helps me personally in my prayer life when I pray out loud is because I begin to, if I'm standing on faith, I'm standing in faith for something and I begin to confess the word of God and I pray that word of God, the promises that, that, that God gave us, and I begin to confess that um, out loud, the faith rises up and that avails so much more. Mm-hmm. Then your faith is st- begins to reach because as we know, we can't get nothing from God without faith. So faith is our currency, if you will, when we go to God in prayer and supplications. So I would definitely would encourage as well to to pray out loud if possible, if possible. So, yeah. I have a question. Go ahead. You guys emphasize talking out loud or praying out loud. My question would be, is there a time and place for praying in your heart or in your mind? Uh, I know the Jewish culture is very much about open vocal prayer, you know, speaking it out uh, because of the way they have believed, you know, since their inception. Mm -hmm. But is there a time and place where internal prayer is important or better considering that, you know, we do live in a spiritual world which we can't see and it is the one place where Satan cannot hear you? Well, it's pretty wild because what you're talking about with the Jewish culture, I mean, Hannah, when she was aching for Samuel to reach out into the future, right? with a child that would be a blessing to that nation. Eli thought she was drunk because she was just, she was just, just bemoaning in her spirit for a child. And she, you know, so he didn't know she was, she was like, you, you crazy drunk woman, you know? And, and so she had to defend herself because she was doing exactly what you were talking about. You know, she's just crying out from the depths of her being, but not obviously with her mouth in a way that, that Eli could understand. But so, I mean, yeah, I believe, yeah. I mean, if if not, I'm in a world of hurt because I do it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> so same we here. I kind of call them mental prayers, right? That's what I'm thinking through my prayer, and I'm not verbalizing, but I'm communicating still, right? And it's exactly what you're talking about. We're spiritual beings, right? We don't have to use this portal for us to communicate. God hears our thoughts. He tells us that. He knows our thoughts. And so if you're thinking a prayer— he knows what you're saying, and it's another form of communication. It's an effective form of communication. There are times where you're not going to be able to verbalize. Yeah. You could be in the middle of a library and need to pray, and they're not going to look at you very happily if you start praying out loud. Right. I mean, there are just times that it makes sense. It's a delicate balance because it says, you know, if you say to this mountain, there's something God right. wants you to speak, right? right? Mm-hmm. It says they were whatever Adam called them. That's what they were. A giraffe yes. is a giraffe because Adam spoke it, Right. right? And I got married by a word, you yes. know, I will. There are a couple of words that changed my whole <laughs> life. And if I'd have stood up there and said, well, you guys know my heart, you know, I'm crazy about her, but I'm just not going to, you know, it wouldn't happen. So there's, there's, it's, there's two sides of the coin. Right. You know? But I do definitely. think there's a time and place for everything. Sure. Right? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I think uh, one of the times when you pray in silence is, um, for instance, myself, I, I use that in time of ministry, is when someone wants me to pray for something or then you go back in your in your silence and you check with the Holy Spirit. You check, Lord, how, how do you want me to handle this? Mm-hmm. How, what do you want me to do? How do I pray for this? How do uh, so you don't take control? You know, Jesus says, "Me and Father are one." So we know He says, "Whatever I do, my Father is doing." Right. So that's where we want to be. We want to be in that state and condition that we're constantly communicating 
uh, inside of us and in, 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 in our mind as well, mm -hmm. right? specifically when the time of ministry comes. Yeah, and you talked a little bit about it earlier, but we have the prayer group that we do every morning at six in the morning. And, you know, I go into that prayer and I'm asking the Holy Spirit and Jesus to lead me in what to pray. And Sean says it all the time too. We, you know, we don't know what to do at six o'clock in the morning. We're barely awake. So you're going to have to help me with the words. Tell me what's important to pray. What do I mm -hmm. need to pray today? And you'll be praying and I'll be sitting over there silently praying in head going, God, please give me the words because I got nothing. Again, it's one of those moments it wouldn't be appropriate for me to start praying out loud while you're praying out loud. But I know that I need something from the Holy Spirit. I know I need something from God to help me, direct me to do what's right when it's my turn. Yeah. You're seeking his heart and that's what he desires. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like one person described prayer as us being out in a boat, you know, and throwing, throwing a, a rope around a tree stump you know, and trying to pull the tree stump in the water. Well, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> You're going to be moving towards the tree stump, not the other way around. And as we, as we say, God, you know, come and many times we pray in selfish prayers, and all this, but the more time you spend with him, the more you, more you realize you're getting closer to him and mm -hmm. you're wanting different things and you're praying different things. Right. The, the very heart of Christ is becoming, and that is that co-union. You're becoming, you know, the communion is bringing you closer and that oneness is actually happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, since I started going to your prayer group and increasing the times that I pray every day, I've noticed how it's impacted my life. Mm -hmm. I noticed that it's improved my relationship with God. I know that it's improved my passion, my desire for him. It's changed the way that I think. I know that all of those things come from building that relationship and getting that co-union together. Yeah. John Wesley made this statement. I don't know if it's theologically correct, but he said God does nothing but in the through answer, you know, but, but through prayer. You know, allowing his people to pray and in in response to prayers. But um C.S. Lewis, you know, said that basically he was talking about us having this this dignity of causality that we get to pray and that God actually works in such a powerful way. Um, because of, you know, that we get to work with the Lord. And that is an incredible privilege, an incredible privilege. Mm -hmm. There's another, um, something else that I want to add to it since we're on this topic, uh, praying out loud or praying uh, in silence. Uh, praying out loud also what I've noticed, <clears throat> not only my personal life, but the people that, that we come to, prayer group or whatnot, it just, it, it's, it's almost like a training camp as well because you're training, right. you're exercising. It's, it's one of the quote-unquote muscles as well that if you do, the more you do it, the more comfortable you become doing it. And you always see from uh, new believers as they come and they, they can't even put two, two words together out loud. But, but you let them, you let them do as they can. And next time they get better, they get better. They have now they have a couple of a couple more sentences to say. Then they have a paragraph to to to, <laughs> to 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 pray, and you see the development. So I believe it's almost it's like a child, right? When you have my, my two year old daughter uh, just trying to put two words together, and as you see that development as it progresses, progresses. So it it is very important, I believe, to pray out loud as well. Um, that it's uh, that it just the development the prayer life develops into full maturity of it. Yeah, and and I will say that praying out loud sometimes I hear something that I pray and I'm going, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. I'm going, wow, that that definitely came from God because that wasn't something that I was thinking about ten minutes ago. 
Yeah. And so to me, it's a little bit of exciting sometimes to hear when you have asked the Holy Spirit to help you pray and to show you what to pray for. It's exciting to hear out loud what he's doing. Yes. Because I'm just like, that's pretty cool. I don't want to derail this and go off in a different direction, but we've been talking about how to pray to God in the sense of us talking to God. But how much of prayer do you think is important for us to be listening and being silent with God? Man, I tell you what, when you were out there and we were a little late for this and I'm sitting out there reading God's word, that's what I was doing, praying. I mean, God was just just speaking to me and speaking to me, just beautiful things. If there ever been a day in my whole life that I've needed prayer, I mean, I was... I have been crying out the top of my lungs, begging God for mercy from my parents, grace, favor, blessing, right? Restoration, all of these things. And God has been telling me, Steve, I want you to pray in a way, just laying your, 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 your request out before me and just waiting in expectation, right? As he's taught me years ago, but he's just brought me to a whole nother level and that's hearing his promises. This whole week, I've just, I mean, he's just been bringing his, li- his word alive to me. You know, it says that he's delivering, he delivers us because he delights in us. Mm-hmm. Just that one thing that God delights us. And he's singing songs of deliverance around. He's serenading us and he's speaking to us. You know, one of the men that probably saw more healings than anyone, maybe besides the apostle Paul or something, he spent every single day reading the word on his knees, understanding that he was on holy ground because God was speaking to him. And when God speaks, worlds come into beings, being, right? Mm-hmm. And so he, he, would, he would kneel. Not only as he spoke to God, but and you look at George Mueller. He would start with the word of God, and he would pray God's words back to him. That's why God realized him. This man truly believes. He takes a promise, right? He understands that I'm speaking to him. He says, hey, God, I agree with you. You are faithful, and you are going to fulfill this need. And so he just trusts. And that was his prayer. That's why I got the children right now. 50,000 answers to prayer. And it started with hearing from God and just agreeing with him and then standing on the promise. $200 million a man in today's money, they estimate he prayed in just from taking God's word and saying, this is what God says. So I trust you. Yeah, I love those prayers, actually. This podcast come about because I was praying those prayers. Your word says. Your word says, and I would pray different things out of the Bible. Your word says, and I will follow. And so that's how we got where we're at now with the podcast. And But I absolutely love those because it reaffirms what I'm reading. And then to me, it lets God know I'm paying attention, right? Your word says this. See, I understand what you said. But go back to what you were saying, Grant. I think it's highly important just to go away. And that's one of the things that, Pastor Steve, you do with your transformed events is you give us opportunity to go away and get quiet with God. Listen for that still small voice to speak to us, to give us direction, to give us hope. And that is extremely important for us to do because it's just exactly what I was talking about earlier is when I pray, I need you to guide me, right? I need you to show me what to do, what to say. I do that before every one of these shows. God, give me the words you want. Let us speak the words that you need people to hear. I just think it's highly important for all of us to stop and not always just petition for, I need, I want, I need, I want, right? Right. I have my desires. Of course, we do that because God says you have not because you've asked not. So he tells us that Mm -hmm. it's okay. Go ahead, ask. Ask and you shall receive, right? But at the same time, we need to listen. 
We have to spend time alone, quiet, and listening. And in that listening, you you don't come asking for the new thing mm. that you want, but it says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. If that is was a rule for his own son, right? He says, listen, as you become one with me, I'm going to see, I'm going to give you my vision, right? My passions. And you're going to start asking for nations. You're going to start asking for big things because it is to my father's glory that you may bear much fruit. And as we listen to him, our vision expands and we're able to pray bigger things and we're able to see bigger things happening. And it's all to God's glory. We see that, I think, every day in our prayer group. Like you said, our friend Sean, he prays for the nations that are being persecuted. And, you know, the Sudanese or the North Koreans or the Iranians or the the Chinese, where the people are being oppressed and persecuted, we're praying for their strength. We're praying for their protection because that's what God wants. It has no impact on our life. We're not asking for something for ourselves. We're not praying for, you know, our own safety and security in that moment, but we are praying God's heart. Right, right. Just quickly to add something to what Grant was asking originally, I think that's also has to do with our faith. Uh, I believe many Christians, many people that do pray, they don't expect God to answer. They just pray mm. because they know they should and they, they know half of that coin, if you will. They said, well, I'm doing my my job, my, my thing, right? And then... And then I'm just going to leave it up to God's will or whatever God <laughs> wants to do at that point. But I think if we approach prayer, we should have expectation what we are praying for, whether we want to hear the God's voice in guidance and wisdom, whether we're praying for healing, deliverance, or anything else that we are uh, that we're bringing up to God, we should have that expectations that we are going to receive our answer. So, so, and if we don't know whether that will is there, then we should search, search the word of the scripture first. And in most cases, probably 99% of the time, we will find that answer. Is it God's will or not? Uh, and, and I know many people might ask, like, like Pastor Steve was alluding, that sometimes you pray and God will reveal, say, well, son, you're not praying the right thing. And this is not according to my will. Right, but it only you will receive those answers if you expect those answers. If you expect God to speak back to you, then you should receive those answers. But like I said, many people just they just don't expect that. Yeah, and I think those of us that are sitting here, I know you guys well enough know that you've seen God answer prayer. Absolutely, absolutely, without question. I mean, we've all seen it in our lives and in other people's lives around us. You know, just real quickly on revival. The three things that have I've been in every revival ever, there was a unity of the people praying. Absolutely. They yes. put down the small, petty arguments mm-hmm. around something bigger, right? There was a accord. fervency. Fervency, yes. A fervency in prayer, and there was an expectancy. That trinity right there, in a sense, of those three things is what God used so many times to bring revival to the nations, you know? 100%. So, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So this is a question from somebody I'm fielding also. How can I let my prayers be answered by God? And how can I recognize God's voice? Tell you what, a lot of times I've recognized God's voice by saying that did not come from me because that's calling for self-sacrifice or something. That's calling for a power other than I have inside my carnal self. (laughs) And I know that, you know, and it rings true with the word of God. 
the logos of God, and then God's spirit affirms it in you. Then it says wisdom is proven by her fruit. When you step out with that voice and you realize hindsight, yes, that was God. He did speak to me. He blessed me after that, right? And I've seen, I've seen the fruit of stepping out and trusting him. Then that's kind of the, the, the grid for me to say, yes, that is the voice of God. And I have heard it over and over and over. And I've seen the fruit when I obey. And I've also seen the fruit when I've disobeyed. Yeah, I just wanted to add to that, you know, Jesus said in John 10, my sheep know my voice and I know them and they follow me, mm. right? So the sheep are those who know their shepherd. Mm. So the more, you know, it's going back to our beginning of our conversation is the more communion we have with a shepherd, the more relation, the deeper relationship that develops, the, the, the voice of God be, becomes more fine-tuned. Right. And it's almost like the wave, you know, like those old radios that you have to find the wave on it, you know, to find the, the music. And that's, that's, you just have to fine tune it, right, um, to, to hear. But when you do hear, when you recognize, when you are truly the sheep of that shepherd, once you recognize it once, you will never forget it. And you can always uh, come back to it. But it's all based on the relationship. The, the, the stronger relation, the deeper relationship we uh, we develop, and the deeper we go with him, the stronger we can hear his voice, the stronger we, we will receive that back. Because the clarity, everything else, just the noise that outside world is trying to put up on us, it just starts to dissipate, and we begin to hear his voice clearer and clearer. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think that's a great explanation for people, too. So I have a question from Stanley, and he says, does my sin hinder my prayers? He says, if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear you. So in other words, if I'm not walking in the light, as he is in the light, what happens to that fellowship? I'm, I'm running in the darkness. So absolutely, there's multiple different places in Scripture that tells that the way I treat my wife Says that's going to that will definitely affect my prayers. There's multiple different passages in Scripture. So, like I've talked people, you know, like I teach my kids, if they offend someone, go to that person and and make it right. I don't just come up and act like nothing happened, you know, and want the relationship to be right. I need to come and I need to make that right and say, Lord, I have rebellion in my heart. Will you please forgive me? Does God hear that prayer? You better believe He hears that prayer. Mm-hmm. Says a broken and contrite spirit, He will in no wise cast out. But when I'm walking with sin that I'm aware of in my life, and know that is like mutiny on a ship. I'm trying to throw the person in charge off the boat and take over the boat. And then somebody saves him, and I run into him. I'm like, oh, what's up? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and act like it never happened. Right. That's just not how it goes. I agree. I would agree. I tell people when they ask me that directly that if you know that you've sinned and you know you want to pray for something with God, you need to first go and deal with what you've sinned, right? Confess it, repent of it, then go to God with your prayer requests. But don't go there with some garbage on the table before you deal with it. I'll give you a beautiful beautiful example today. My parents are in absolute need of God's touch right as we speak right Mm -hmm. now. And a person who I've been trying to minister to very long, he... He literally said, God, please, he just, he, the, a heart-wrenching prayer for forgiveness in the text and said, now I want to cry out for Steve's parents, you know, 
And he confessed mm. his sin, right? And asked for forgiveness, basically, right in the beginning of the text so that he could move forward. <laughs> and I was saying, could God be using this you know, uh, this hardship my parents are going through to get this man to a place where he's willing to even cry out for forgiveness for his own personal sin so that he can be effective in his prayers. Yeah, I think we have a whole podcast that we're going to do at some point about what we've all been through in the last month, because there's some testimonies that have got to come out of that, I think. But uh, we definitely want to wait until we get everybody back to health. So really quickly, I just want to add to that, um, that sin habitual sin and uh, sin that we know about the hindrance of it. It's almost like it's almost like a lead lid been put upon you and you're trying to cry out and all you hear this this echo comes back to you. And many times people ask like, well, but God doesn't hear me. He doesn't like me. They, they, they try to point, point fingers back to God where the really the finger should be pointing back to us. We should look at the mirror first mm. and start with ourselves, humble ourselves. And that's one of the reasons, you know, going back to the beginning, you know, when we humble ourselves and get down on our knees we, and we start uh, starting to cry out to God and uh, really surrendering everything before him. So it, it's a humility part that, that needs to, to be, um, the step has to be taken before we come and start asking God and whatnot, and yeah. You kind of led into the question that Alan has asked in is, why does it seem like God doesn't answer some prayers? And there could be a good valid reason why that's not being answered, and you just led into one of the reasons That's one of the aspects, for sure. And I tell people, well, sometimes the answer is just no. <laughs> sometimes the answer is just no, yeah. Sometimes people ask for things that are just not according to the will of God. And again, it's something uh, that, that we should research the scripture and to see, are we in line with God's will? So that's one aspect. Another aspect is uh, we read in, 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 in Mark, uh, which, uh, you, you know, when Jesus talks about, um, about the, the mountain to be cast into the sea, then right after that, he says, and when you stand to pray, make sure you forgive those who trespassed against you, right? So there is a almost prerequisite there. And many times what I see the people, when the people struggle with many, many things, the unforgiveness, it's one of the major, major hindrances. So in my life personally, whenever I stand to pray for something, something uh, that, 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 I, that I request from God, first I wanna clear my, my conscience and my heart. And I want to make sure that I don't uh, that I don't hold anything against anyone, um, because it's it's just cleansing yourself off of that. And I believe that definitely the um, uh, unforgiveness is one of the major major things that people do not receive the the answer. I'd also like to add that sometimes the answer is wait. It's not yes or no. It's just sure. not now. But I have a two part question. Uh, and again, I don't want to derail us, but. Is there a part of prayer that is more effective when you're in the presence of God? You've talked about a lot of ways how you can physically humble yourself and get into the mindset and the spirit of prayer. But I know, that Steve, you've talked about steps that you could take, not in the religiosity sense, mm -hmm. but steps that you can take to enter the presence of God and how that practice not only humbles you, but gets you into the presence of God. Yeah. 
um, so that when you pray, you can be more effective. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you come, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, enter into his courts with praise, right? And then I like to say enter his presence with worship, and worship is actually humbling yourself, and it means to prostrate oneself. So there would be the the physical aspect of, of, you know, I think it's a great practice to, to once a day to get down on your knees and pray. This happens a lot in the prayer, our prayer group, you know. Um, but then to go from there to listen. He says, when you come into the temple, be slow to speak, right? You should be listening. So we want to listen to the Lord. Then we want to confess, confess anything he reveals in me. It might be that you're not, you're not seeing your sonship the way I want you to see your sonship. You're not seeing me delighting over you. It might, it might be things in my life that are displeasing to him, but I just need to agree with him, confess those things, right? Then bring petitions to him and then intercessions. And um, so that's just the way that I, that's kind of just the grid that I go through every day. And I, I do it because it is what I see in scripture. Like I don't just come just busting into his, you know, it's like not knocking on the door. Like I come, there's, there is protocols in a sense to be respectful to someone's house and to be respectful of that person. And when I come into to his presence, I just realize God just opens the door. He like sends servants to open the door for me when I just, just, I call it liquid gratitude, you know, just tears start streaming down my face. And I like to not really many times of myself move beyond Thanksgiving until that gate opens through tears. I just realized there's an emotional response that God just said, Steve, I am opening your eyes to things you've never even seen my goodness before. And that just invites me into to praise him. Like now mm-hmm. it's all about his character. Then, whoa, now I'm in his presence right now. I need to, What does he want to say to me? And then I can, I agree with him. Right. And then say, okay, now that I have your heart, I feel like you're giving me your heart. Now I'm going to make petitions and then I'm going to make intercession for those people that maybe can't even pray for themselves because they're not in your presence and are not in a right place with you. Right. So, right. right. Then that opens up a whole nother discussion on prayer. I think intercessory prayer and some of these other things that we don't have time for today. I know you had a couple of stories that you'd like to share, and I think that's would be a good time to share whatever yeah. you'd like to. Well, just the importance of prayer. I mean, um, this is Leonard Ravenhill, but listen what he says. He says, do you want to know where the most prayer is? You won't like it, he says. It's in the Muslim countries. Hmm. Every mosque is filled every morning at 6 a.m. You call them terrorists? He says, they're not terrorists. They're evangelists. They're evangelists, right? They have touched the powers of the world to come. It is a strange power. It is a satanic power. But they're there five times a day faithfully doing this. Satan is not trying just to get us to diminish the view of, of prayer. He's, ta- he's stolen it from most Christians, mm-hmm. and he's given it to to false religions. I mean, he does it everywhere. The Mormons look at it, they put all this emphasis on family, right? And they have strong families and all these different things. They take, you know, evangelism and he gives it to the Jehovah Witnesses. I mean, it's like he takes everything. He wants to seal everything from the people of God and give it to someone else. So, um, you know, he just said the pastor that's not praying is playing and the, the, the people of God that are not praying are straying. Right. Prayer is the foundation if we don't have that communion with God, then we're kidding ourselves. No matter how many times we come to church or how good we look in front of everybody, if it's not founded on that co-union with God. So um, I wanted to, yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to make point. I, I've been in the Middle East and I will say that when prayer time comes, when the call to prayer happens, everything stops. I mean, their society stops. Right, Traffic right. stops, everything, 
There's no selling, no buying. Everything's closed. Everything is stopped for prayer. That's how serious they take prayer. I mean, nothing moves. And so we are nowhere even close to taking prayer seriously the way they do. Yeah. Absolutely. And just as ministry, I mean, just reading of Charles um, Charles Finney's ministry, and I've spoken about this multiple times, but, you know, William Booth saw the same thing. He saw prayer as the foundation, as the engine of of the ministry. And so he would never preach without someone underneath the stage praying. And many times people wouldn't know what was going on, but he would just scream in the middle of his prayer because he wouldn't just preach oh, 30 minutes is up. He would, he, would, he would preach until the Holy Spirit moved. So it might be three hours or six hours, but he was preaching until the Holy Spirit did something. And so if he had preached for quite some time and the Holy Spirit hadn't fallen on that place, then he would scream out the top of his lungs, pray, and nobody knew who he was talking to. But it was the man underneath the stage that was doing real battle. Right. And so um, when you see Charles Finney and, and the, the incredible ministry that he had, it was one preacher and it was two prayers. There were two guys named Nash and Clary, you know, and they were that they were those guys underneath the stage. And we've seen it, haven't we, Sean? We've seen it. Sean's not talking, but he's here. And <laughs> and we have watched him at different transformed pray men back into the building. Like they're going out 30 times. I, I, I can't handle this. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And, and Sean would just sick them through their prayers and they would be, boom, turn right we back around. That, we saw that this time. Yes. And, and we say, we, I mean, I, I literally feel like a he-man up there preaching because I know the Spirit of God has fallen on that place because Sean, because Sean and different ones are praying. And I can sense it. And God is literally grabbing people and pulling them back in the building, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and convicting hearts and doing all kinds of incredible things. So, I mean, the story is just unbelievable as they would go and they would first pray where they should go. And then they, these men would go before weeks in advance and rent, you know, little cellars or whatever. And they would be on the ground for days crying out for God to break down principalities and powers over those places. And then when they felt like the, the time was up, that they would call, they would call Charles Finney in and he would pray with them. And there's one story of literally they were in, they were, had rented this little storefront and they're inside the building praying and people are kneeling on the outside. And they knew, they didn't even know they're in there, but right, the Spirit of God was so thick and so powerful that they knelt out there and they go out and there's a hundred thousand people through meetings at that place come to the Lord. And it all came down to these two men, Nash and Clary. And, you know, it's just wild. Let me just uh, go on real quickly here. But over 85% of the professing, um, those conversion to Christ under, um, under Charles Finney were faithful to the Lord, Right. In Charles Finney's, but 70% of the professing conve- uh, c- conversions, even with uh, Moody, backslid. So, I mean, because the prayer was the foundation, there was so much more long-term fruit, mm-hmm. not just massive fruit in, in life, but um, through the, the ministry, it continued. And so, I think the wisdom, once again, is shown by its fruit, right? It's saying, listen, start with prayer. And the, the, the flowing of the Holy Spirit will move people eventually, and you will see long-term fruit. And so when, when Nash and Clary died, um, I can't remember which one it was, that the last one that died, but he felt like God was freeing him. And, and all he did was preach his funeral, and that was the last sermon, because he felt like the engine in this ministry, God has released me from the preaching because he has released these men from the praying. Hmm. So it's 
powerful. That reminds me, really quickly, that reminds me of, um, you know, the parable of sower, uh, when we see four different grounds, and the ground is the heart. And uh, what Pastor Steve was uh, saying here, that that ground was plowed properly, was prepared. And that's the fourth ground that gave forth the fruit 30, 70, 100 fold, right? And that's what, it, what, what matters because there are so many times when we see people come to Christ, but the ground has not been prepared and they take the, 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 the seed and it's either being stolen or beaten down by sun or, uh, or just withers away, right? So the, the preparation for the heart, it's, that's, where, that's what happens. That's the foundation. Well, great. Thanks a lot for that. I think we've uh, we've touched on a lot of the questions that people asked, but there are dozens and dozens more, believe me. Um, uh, I'd love to get us back together at some point and uh, talk more about this topic. To me, it's so important. So maybe we can do that again sometime. That would be great. Any last thoughts either one of you want to put out for today? Jesus, it says that Jesus, what has he chosen to do? Not only is he building us a place and sitting at his Father's right hand, but it says he constantly lives to make mm-hmm. intercession. This is not something that God just demands of us. This is the very heart of God that every moment he has taken as his mission now while he's in heaven to pray for his bride here on earth. That's what he lives for. Mm-hmm. That is the one thing that he does constantly for us. And he invites us into this dance to say, join me in the greatest thing you could possibly ever do, giving you this dignity of causality, C.S. Lewis called it, right? Of being able to literally see things happen on this planet as we hear the, the heart of God and then pray in unity with God. And, and he gives us this dignity to be involved in this. This is crazy. <laughs> and if we realize the, the longevity of our prayers in Revelations, you see the saints, right? You see, you see the, the prayers of the saints as you see this mm-hmm. incense coming up from this bowl, and he says, these are the prayers of the saints. In other words, those prayers were eternal. They were still going before the heart of God, and these saints had died, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the prayers were still being offered to God. So as we are praying, I mean, I, I can pray right now, God, if you, give us a, if you give us 200 years, this is what I'm praying that my children's children's children will be doing, right? I want them to be more than conquerors, and that prayer can be eternal, Right. It's it's crazy. So I'll stop <laughs> before I get too <laughs> far up here. For yeah. today. <laughs> amen. Amen. Oh, like, do you have anything? Uh, I just want to leave you leave everybody with with this phrase. I saw it somewhere, and I don't remember where, but it was uh, it just stuck in my in my mind. It says, "If you worry, pray. If you prayed, don't worry." Mm. And it's uh, based on First Peter five seven. Uh, Cast all all your worries upon Him mm-hmm. because He cares for us, and that's really the the foundation of the prayer here. <laughs> Can I add this? Absolutely. With my mother and father, um, we don't, I mean, literally from the medical aspect, it, it looks like they are in dire straits. But God has asked me, as communion with me, okay, I want you to first cry out for mercy, cry out for grace, right? I've done that. Then he says, okay, now I want you to praise as an act of prayer, right, of communion with me, just praise my nature and my character that I am good and I'm going to do what's right. Then I want your body to be at p- complete peace. Like this is communion with God, right? Only 7% of what we say is with our words. It's body language. So he says, listen, 
This is your prayer to me. I want you to be completely relaxed in your body because this anxiety, right? It's what's happening to mom. What's happening to dad? All this kind of stuff. Just show me that you trust me by completing it. Letting, just giving that to me, right? Then I want joy in your heart. I want praise coming out of your mouth and I want you speaking vision and I want you boasting in my goodness, right? And my, my mighty power to do what is best for your parents. And that is the communication that God has been calling you to that I've never been asked by him before. But this week he's saying, I want it in your body. I want it in your spirit. I want it coming off of your mouth, right? I want when people see your presence that you're, that you are in a trusting relationship in the hardest times. And so over these last three weeks, I didn't know if I was going to live. I didn't know if my wife was going to live. We didn't know if our baby was going to live. Now we didn't have parents, you know, and all this, God has deepened this communion with him and, t- and taught me things that I'm grateful that we've went through all this stuff. And it's, it's, it's prayer. It's, it's what it is. It's communion with God. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to see on you. So this has been a great discussion on prayer. And I think that we'd be totally remiss if we didn't actually pray on air. And I'd like for you, Pastor Steve, if you would pray for the people that will hear this message. Father God, I thank you so much that you purchased this privilege right here that we get to come into your presence. So, Lord, we do. We come into your presence with thanksgiving. We come, Lord, we come just thanking you for who you are, and we humble ourselves before you. Lord, you purchase this privilege with your blood, and that veil rips so that we can come into your presence at any time. God, I pray that you will help each and every person to see the great privilege that they have. And Lord, that they could see the fruit of their prayers, that you would start answering their prayers. First, give them a desire, if they don't have a desire, to spend time with you. Give them joy in it, Lord. And may they participate with you. And may they see the fruit of their labors. God, I pray blessing on them. But we ask that you would just bless every single person with a multiplied times desire to spend time with you. And Lord, not just asking for things, but to soak in your presence, just to be with you and just to enjoy being in your presence and therefore getting your heart and be able to enter this dance of communion with you and seeing beautiful fruit flowing out of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, gentlemen, I thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your wisdom and your experiences. I truly do appreciate that. This was fun. So yeah. definitely a great time. Okay. Uh, this has been a Veritas Resurgence broadcast. Today on A Voice Calling in the Wilderness, we've been talking with Pastor Steve Morrison with Oleg about prayer. If you would, please take a moment and subscribe to our podcast. And don't forget to visit our website at vrbroadcast.org, where you can find more teaching and ask questions of the show and our guests. Also find us on Facebook at A Voice Calling in the Wilderness. And if you want to hear more messages from Pastor Morris, you can find him at pcnh.church. And do us a favor, recommend the podcast to your friends and family. Again, thank you for listening and have a blessed day. Thank you.